hanging out with Rosie and her gin. This is drunk art review. <laughs> Jenny is already laughing at me, I can tell. <laughs> this is quarantine edition. And this is a true reflection of drunk art review because someone had a few drinks today already. It was a stressful day and I wanted to have a beer or two, so I did. And now I'm drinking gin. Yeah, I'm here drinking we nothing. I know, you're the wise one right now. No, I mean, I'm on antibiotics, I can't drink anything, so. That's still wise, you know? You're like, you're healing yourself. You're getting back to normal. What the fuck do I know? I'm not fucking doctor. Hey guys, welcome to Drunk Art Review, the podcast where everyone from T-Tone to Blind Art Strike is welcome to discuss art and give their honest opinions. Woohoo! Here we are. And this I mean it goes both ways. We're both this wonderful at many points in our life, I think. <laughs> and I mean, uh, what was I gonna say? I was gonna this is this is a quarantine edition. Number two! Right? Oh, I think yeah. so. Yeah, we're good at this. And uh, Jenny, what what's our what's our theme this week? We are talking about botanical art. Which is something I'm very passionate about. So much of the stuff that you like has such wonderful floral patterns in it. I just have this real passion for, I mean, I love all kinds of botanical art, but I've got this real thing as well for like old, like textbook, like the original kind of technical mm. drawings and scientific drawings, things you find in encyclopedias and all that kind of stuff. I've got loads of prints of that to put up on my wall. I'm just running out of wall to put it on. <laughs> I mean, we have to talk a little bit about the fact that when we we were talking about like yeah so have you got your have you got your shit together for it and I was like no what the fuck is botanical art like and the the thing is is like I I love it myself I love really analytical art I love you know Gray's Anatomy I love these explorative design uh, illustrations of like working the inner inner workings of other things you know but I was so stressed and I was like. I, I, all I could see was just a blank wall in front of me. And then lo and behold, she's like, but I mean, have you, ha, have you thought, have you thought about this person? I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it's just, you know, sometimes, even if you know, back in your mind, even if you have the information there, you're not gonna find it until someone just shines a little light. Oh yeah! You're overthinking it, girl. Sometimes you gotta strip it back and go back to classics. Yeah. Get rid of the fluff. I know. And the thing is, it's like the person I'm talking about today, I wasn't a huge fan. Oh, it's too this or it's too that. But as you grow up, I think you get to appreciate things on a different level and you get to understand it in a, in a different way. And it's just beautiful. So I'm I'm very happy to be talking about her. And I feel like I'm kind of, I'm kind of embodying her a little bit today. Anyway. Well, I mean, you can talk about her first as we've already started the conversation. It would make sense. Oh, oh you, you, you're so smart, Jenny. You're so God, smart. You can notice a couple of gins and beers in, can't you? Let me have a little. Let me have a little bit more of that. Can you? Can you hear? Oh, beautiful ASMR. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. I am so sorry. <laughs> My mum was listening to uh, the Mothers in Art episode, and like the beginning, I'd forgotten that it was just ASMR of me touching paper. Have you listened to that episode yet? <laughs> no, I've not listened back yet. I admit, Rosie, sometimes I find it hard to listen back to them. I've listened to all of them, par our last one. Yeah. Because um, it's not so much listening back to Rosie's episode, it's more listening back to myself. I'm just like, oh, it's about hearing your own voice. Yeah. Sometimes you're a bit 
it resonates yeah. with you in a different way because it's kind of like looking or hearing something that you know so intimately yourself in your own voice, but hearing it replayed back to you is an entirely different experience. I mean, I was talking to someone earlier this week and they were like, do you like to, <laughs> do you like to listen to yourself again? <laughs> and I was like, well, I have to listen uh, to these episodes at least five to 10 times because I'm editing them. So I think it's a good thing that I don't mind listening to my voice again. It's not so much the conversation we're having because I enjoy our conversation because yeah. it reminds me of like, <laughs> what we chat about and that makes me laugh. It's just sometimes when I hear my own voice as such, I'm like, do I really sound that annoying? <laughs> it's the same here. Like my tone and pitch of voice and all that don't What's say it? yes in the comments, folks. Don't say yes. <laughs> and if you do, then you're a little bitch. <laughs> What's even funnier, though, is that this week, my mum was like... Because <laughs> I was just laughing because I laugh all the time and I'm having such a great time all the time. And my mum was like, you know, you have such a shrill voice. And I was like, mother, <laughs> like, come on. And she was like... You and your brother, man, you got such weird laughs. And then she decided to then cackle herself. And I was like, well, I wonder where we get our laughs from. <laughs> you can't deny it, though, because you do. And you know you oh, do. oh, I know. I know. But um, it's just, it's a, it's a funny thing when um, just, you're just, you're just laughing it out. The booty mum's like laughing. She's like, yes, you're so shrill. I'm like, well, yes, I am. So are you. <laughs> Anyway, we digress. You were going to talk about your lovely artist. Yeah, it was, wasn't I? Sorry, that was a little bit bit much of gin. Got back in my throat. But let's get back to botanical art because it's amazing. As soon as I remembered that I could do this artist (laughs) instead of stressing myself out. And that artist is, of course, Georgia O'Keeffe. Hooray! I just like to point you out. Because we're your listeners only, we don't have a video version of this yet. What you're not aware of is the amount that Rosie uses her hands to talk. <laughs> she her hands off, she couldn't say a word. I, I, I don't even think about that. Like, I'm, just, I'm not kidding you, I'm watching her on video. <laughs> and her hands are all over the sodden place. She's like well you know what the people on the live stream they definitely get to twig what we're doing <laughs> I know I'm gonna go straight in to this shit <laughs> so yeah Georgia O'Keefe yeah superstar yeah um well sort of she lived from 1887 to 1986. She was like 96 when she, no 90 90 99. She, was, she got to a good old age. She was she was she was well in the the, the latter part of her years. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a quote that she because she's she's renowned for her quotes as well as her paintings. So here's a quote. Can you hear the birds in the background? No. I think, Read the damn quote. <laughs> I think they're gonna hear the birds because there's a bird having like a shit fit outside. It's like, <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> Fucking bird. <laughs> Alright. I've been absolutely terrified every moment of my life and I've never let it keep me from doing a single thing I wanted to do. And I mean, as a starter, that is 
epic advice. So um, painter George O'Keefe has been called the mother of American modernism and certainly her painting Certainly, her paintings are recognised worldwide. <laughs> Jenny is hiding her face right now. She's like, "Who the fuck is talking?" <laughs> but what? But what? But what more? She knew flowers better than most. In the 1930s, she wrote of her desire to paint the humble flower, enlarged and up close. She said. Um, I'll paint it big, and they'll be surprised into taking time to look at it. It will make even busy New Yorkers take time to see what's, what I see of flowers. And I love that, it's kind of like wanting to grasp someone's attention and, you know, show them exactly what you see, you know. And what's even funnier though, because she's obviously renowned for her flowers, she said, quite notably, I hate flowers. I paint them because they're cheaper than models and they don't move. <laughs> Which is a little bit... Which is a little bit like how um, people paint from photographs today, I think. They're like, well, I can see every piece of this photograph. So I can, I can really go in depth with like looking at every single inch of this person. Um, as opposed to actually having a life model where they're having to pay for, you know, 60 quid an hour or whatever. In many ways, uh, I think she's a lot like Frida Kahlo in how she, in how her life was deeply woven with like womanhood and passion. Um, though. She was more vocally reserved, I think. She didn't really seek the limelight. She only wanted to be like recognized as an artist. I mean, her life is a passionate tale of love and love lost and love for her work and uh, New Mexico landscape. Cause like she spent the latter half of her life just in the New Mexico desert. She, After she separated from her husband. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, was, she kind of put her head in the stand about that. She just didn't want to admit the fact she'd had an affair with um, her husband um, and then they'd got married and then he was having multiple affairs. So, you know, like in, in that scenario, he was kind of just perpetually, that was what he wanted. He always wanted muses. But yeah, like I say, she was a lot like Frida Kahlo and how she reflected womanhood and passion. But what she obviously is most known for is her flowers and the sensuality that comes with that. She would focus on the interior view of flowers, ballooning them so that you would have to take notice. I mean, to be fair, a really vastly male art world. A woman creating uh, paintings that looked very much like vaginas, it's like a real statement. It would be kind of different, probably, accepted if a man was doing it, but I totally digress from that. But also, didn't she vehemently <laughs> well, this... that it wasn't vaginas, but <laughs> well, people the... who saw that weren't admiring her yeah. properly? Well, this is, this is exactly what I was saying. So... <laughs> Many speculated that these images did indeed uh, reference female genitals and sexuality, but yeah, weirdly enough, um, this was an idea that seemed to be fueled by controversial images. I'm using air quotes here because, I mean, controversial images, it's basically just art, of uh, Georgia O'Keeffe that her husband took of her that were publicly displayed because she was like a nude. Uh, model for him. That's how they like, you know, came together. But yeah, you know, with her, her husband, there was obviously lots of love and lots of affairs. And so anyway, in the public eye, this seemed to give fuel to the idea that O'Keefe was an artist with a tendency towards overt sexuality. Um, although, yeah, this was an idea that she denied, <laughs> claiming that her works were not intended to reference female sexual identity. It was about her appreciating nature and forcing that view of what she saw outwardly but yeah saying that though it was kind of like a hugely male audience of critique critics that said that it was uh, 
sexual references. That's because so. they're men and they're dirty old men and they yeah. what they want when they want it, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> well, it's, I remember it... one that used to complain to the BBC that there was something wrong with the programme somewhere <laughs> and I can't remember right now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, there's always going to be complaints about something when um, you know a new view is showed in the world, isn't it? Many of her works, Georgia O'Keeffe, did focus specifically on the internal view of plants, um, but that did include like the st stanums. Is it stanums? Stanums? Stanums. Stanums, I think. Yeah, I and it. yeah, and like the reproductive areas. So I mean, yeah. even if she wasn't like being sexual, she was painting sexual things in like the plant world. So her saying it wasn't. They're not sexual in the plant world. They're reproductive in the plant world, aren't they? True. You don't call it sexual. You call it reproductive. Yeah, but it's, it, it's it's our interpretation of certain things that makes it sexual. Just going back to yeah. GCS biology, what we would phrase it as. <laughs> yeah. Just so, you know, just so people haven't got this mental image of like sexy plants. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I think plants do definitely have their own mind with certain things. They've got that like osmosis connectivity. They talk to each other. Like, we just don't understand it. And I'm sure they have them sassy conversations, you know, they're like, have my seed, yo! <laughs> I swear to God, if you could see my facial expression right now, I... since you would wonder what the fuck. This <laughs> is <laughs> fabulous, it's great. <laughs> but, you know, like, her saying it wasn't makes us believe that the artist uh, maybe protested too much, purely because men would say, this is sexual. So another way of like deciphering her own view on it is like her saying, no, it isn't sexual. It's this to be another fuck you to men, because obviously like it kind of just highlights the fact of men being overtly sexual in that time period. O'Keefe herself often commented that colour and the form of flowers was more important than the actual subject matter. Quoted here as well. I found I could say things with colour and shapes that I couldn't say any other way. Things I had no words for. I think that speaks a lot to many artists too. There is, and, and, and people anyway, you know. There are things that we can't express with words. Words, we think, can say everything, but often they can't. There are feelings and emotions and sensations that we feel that are incomprehensible. Yeah. And I mean, that's evident because sometimes you'll say, how do you say, how, why don't we have a word for this? And someone who speaks another language will go, well, in our language, we yeah. do this. Yeah. So, do you know what I mean? You, you, you see it on the internet all the time, things like that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's like in Sweden, like that, that word heggy, which means the wonderful, comfortable feeling of being loved and in a wonderful place. And I'm like, this is amazing. I love that. Yeah, she obviously was interested in natural form and capturing beauty. Um, and obviously the female world has praised O'Keeffe's work for capturing feminist themes far ahead of her time. And I mean, certainly in the era in which she was working, O'Keeffe was in a very male-orientated world and was repeatedly reminded of her gender and like, you know, otherness, which obviously is just like being an artist, and a, a female artist in the world, you know. She was in a, a world of pigs, really. <laughs> Some of them were, you know, just opinion-wise and, and sort of social dogma, I think. Anyway. So yeah, flowers are symbolically associated with femininity and softness, love and sexuality. And yeah, the fact that many of O'Keeffe's images contain several flowers on one large canvas was a way of how she would kind of capture something 
beautiful and the vastness of it as well, like the vastness of nature. And we'll never, I guess, know exactly what O'Keefe intended to symbolize with her flower paintings, um, but they are the most iconic image uh, within her work. And it's what she will most uh, likely be remembered for, and she is remembered for. And this is kind of like, once again, regardless of what she intended, it's the effect it's had on society and female empowerment and the world. Um, so it kind of goes hand in hand with the idea of meanings aren't always given by the artists. Sometimes it's just like the world imprints of what it thinks. Um, well, we say that we said that many times, haven't yeah, we? Like sometimes you exactly you and another you and five other people can look at the same picture and all get different things out okay. of it. Oh. And that's okay. Absolutely. Um, and there was like one other quote that she said, which. I feel like encompasses um, the idea of her not like sh like I don't think ever it was she was never it was never a shameful thing I think it's more like if she didn't acknowledge the fact that it was sexual or had f female sort of um, empowerment about it there was a certain amount of like f feminine empowerment within her work and she says here I feel there is something unexplored about women that only a woman can explore and I I think that that's just beautiful I love it I love it I love it. Um, and as a female and a sensual person, <laughs> I personally feel that there has to be a fascination there and a passion to express womanhood through nature. It's mother nature after all. And yeah, so I don't actually have an art piece, it's more about the whole woman of Georgia O'Keeffe. She's a fantastic artist and we got to see, both you and I, we got to see the exhibition that was in the Tate and you went in New York, didn't you? Yeah, so um, mm -hmm. you went with your mum and I went with my yeah. mum to the table one, didn't we? Not, not at the same time. Um, and then when I was in New York last year, I just happened to stumble across a few O'Keeffe's in the Met Museum. <laughs> of course oh you did. God, Rosie, Rosie would have lost her mind in there. I was like two inches from a Van Gogh and... Oh, like, yeah. oh. It's, it's, some, it's a place oh, that I desperately, yeah. desperately like to go. I'd love to go to New York. I'd love to go to Amsterdam. I'd love to go to Italy. I love to go to Seoul in Korea. Everywhere. Okay, I just want to go places. Jesus. Well, at the moment, we can't even really go to the supermarket more than once a week, so. I know. Yeah, I went shopping today and that was fucking hell. And I didn't even get to go into the fucking supermarket. Like, there was such a massive queue. I was like, nope. <laughs> so I went and bought bird food instead. Bird food. Okay. Yeah. And then went to a tiny shop on the corner and bought some beer. So. You know, I think that that's a pretty uh, solid uh, Friday afternoon. Yeah, why not? In amongst all the work that I was stressing over too. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, Jenny, what, what have you, what are you gonna bring? What are you, what, what story are you gonna tell me today? I'm so curious. <laughs> tell me. Well, in interestingly, it's just occurred to me that there's a similarity in our artists in the sense that they are close-up working artists looking at botanical art. Oh. So, the piece I would like to show you is known as Celosia Cristata, Hanenkan, Teil and Blutennaus, and that's by Karl Blosfeldt. And that was between 1915 and 1925 that this image was produced. And I'm actually very impressed with myself that I didn't butcher any of that pronunciation. I was going to say, so, you fucking nailed that. So, this is the piece. Oh, oh. So, bearing in mind when I is said it a this photograph? Produced, it is a photograph. Produced it... between 1915 and 1925. May. That's only like, I don't know, what, not many years after sort of the real development of photographs. 
this is why it's he's interesting. So I was lucky enough, um, Ipswich Museum recently, you know, fairly recently, they've closed now. Um, before all the pandemic happened, they'd actually closed for renovations. Um, and this was the last exhibition that they had on in the, uh, the galleries before they closed. And it was the artist Carl Blossfeld. He was a German photographer, sculptor, teacher, and artist. Sorry, I put my glasses on while seeing you. I've got them serious. <laughs> so he, uh, he's well known for his photographs of plants, flowers, and seed heads. And it's really interesting. And this is why I like him because I say I like technical drawings of flowers and that kind of thing. A lot of his work was used for that kind of thing because, mm. well, you'll listen, you'll hear more as I talk about him. So Carl Blossfeld um, taught sculpture initially, uh, based on natural plant forms at the Royal School of the Museum of Decorative Arts in Berlin. The photographs that he produced were first introduced to the public in two books. Um, one was called Il Formam de Kunst, which translates to the archetypal forms of art in 1928, and Wundergarten der Natur, which is the Wondergarten of Nature, and that came out in 1932. Please just so, say that again. The, the Wundergarten. <gasps> Wundergarten. Oh, it's amazing. I love it. Um, I'm not as bad with German pronunciation because I did take it in high school for a bit. Don't ask me what I remember because it's very little. (laughs) (laughs) The use of botanical specimens um, as a photographic photographic subject matter really became popular in the early and mid-19th century and that was right at the inception, photography being a medium and like film was initially there. It wasn't so much used as art, it was more used to like note down worthy things because when you think of it we take for granted that if we see something that's really interesting we want to remember it we just take a quick snap on our mobile phones people i'm talking about back in the day there weren't these things we <laughs> were sketch them you know <laughs> when, in, when photography was first introduced we have to remember it wasn't really used as an art form it was used as a way to record information mm. so as i say early mid 19th century that actually people were using it as their art form and Blossfeld himself, he, he would uh, specialised in macro photography. And because he was so interested in getting into the deep depths of a flower and a plant, much like O'Keefe did with her paintings. Of course! Away, oh, I love it! Um, he, was not, he designed a camera for that purpose. And what he really wanted, he wanted his work to um, act as a teaching aid and also as an inspiration for architects, uh, sculptors and artists. So it was his kind of work... The photographs he took were actually often translated into other mediums. Yeah. So, so someone I might not have been O'Keefe, but someone could look at one of his macro photos and translate that into a painted piece or a sculptural piece, or use the shapes from it in architecture. That's what he wanted, um, as well as being used to teach the actual biology of mm. plants themselves. So, see, that's what he, I was going to say. Like, did it was he was it? Um, you say that he developed particular uh, photography for these flowers. Did he essentially invent macro? I don't know if he's recognised as the macro, but he had (laughs) his own version of it, because I think at the time, when you look into it, I mean, this is another conspiracy theory. (laughs) I love conspiracy theories. Well, it's not a conspiracy theory, but basically, because everyone was like trying to get patents and stuff, and who invents the first thing, and like some people think that one person was the first thing, is no, I can't hear it. Person who created moving picture is it? Um... Oh, oh shit! Um, it's the Lumiere brothers. But before that, it was like a different guy. When we when we went to go see that film, they talked about it there as well. Do you remember? Because we were talking about the first woman uh, director in Hollywood. In fact, uh, we've spoken about BuzzFeed Unsolved before. There's an episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved <laughs> that talks about this chap that actually invented this first 
we were mm. in Ketchikan, for example, and but he never got to paint and, and then he mysteriously vanished. Conspiracies! Anyway, I don't anyway, I don't think I don't think Carl Blosfeld was bothered about patenting his camera mm. to be like, oh I'm I'm the one that invented this. He was because he was always the one that wanted to he I mean he already taught at yeah. college. So, he, so he, he was really interested in natural forms. And so he um, he just really wanted to sort of share his work as opposed to like you know have total autonomy over it. He just wanted to make sure that people could learn and understand and yeah. yeah. I think he just wanted to be able to for people to appreciate and the fact that he wanted it to be used in so many formats. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't just see. I love here's that. My here's my photo. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? It's like well, it, it, oh well, that it, painter could paint from it. And, it's this yeah. wonderful idea of being able to like uh, utilize something that someone's made and interpret it in, in so many different variations and use that knowledge and develop it further which is amazing yeah and he never actually formally trained in photography so he was self-taught and then he invented the best this ones camera. never do <laughs> Yeah. Originally, they were in photography, and the fact that well, they could be used as a scientific piece, they were also absolutely because if you go and look at all of his other pictures, and I mean, I went to a gallery, I got to see hundreds. I just had to choose one, one out of hundreds <laughs> that I loved um, to talk about. Um, but they're all beautiful. Mm. Um, it was just nice to have one to show Rosie because I don't think she's heard of him. No, I hadn't, and it was gorgeous. And I, I honestly, I, I asked you whether it was a photograph because it could have been a wonderful etching. It kind of has well, that quality to it. Did do was etching, so oh, some wow. of them were, I'm pretty sure some of the ones I saw in the museum were a photograph first, and then they were transferred into an etching, which gave them like a different vibe. Oh, um, so cool! So I think you, I think they were both. Yeah. Combination of uh, like scientific observation, obviously, um, but also the way he looked at the sculptural form, and also like when that one, for example, the photo I showed you. Um, Celosia Cristata. Um, it was quite like a surreal composition. You could imagine that being like something on a. I mean, think about it, like in a 1950s sci-fi. Yeah. Texture uses like an alien planet, so it's got that real surreal kind of feeling to it as well. And the fact that you look at it and actually that looks a bit like it could be coral on the bottom of the ocean, but it's not. So, so like but how how magnified is this? Is this like really oh. magnified? Because because when I look at it. It does, it looks like these wonderful sort of genetic patterns that you see within nature when it's under a micro mi microscope. It's not a microscopic level, but it's, some of it was uh, quite, don't know how you would describe this, <laughs> I'm not an expert. Some of them were slightly more panned out, mm. so you could see like the whole structure, but some of them were those really sort of super close up, I don't know the technical term, I just know it as macro photography, <laughs> but it wasn't, like, it wasn't like patterns you'd see under a microscope, it yeah. wasn't that kind of. Close so it, it, was, it was visible to the naked eye, um, but, but really yeah, but magnified. So mm. you could definitely note note what you were looking at. But in a way, mm. when you look at things so close, they lose all um, ideals of what they actually are. 
until like you, you read beneath it that it's the inside of a plant or something like that. When you see something on a macro scale, you're seeing something in an alien form almost because we don't see things like that normally. We see things in their entirety. We see a full flower. We see like a full bird. We see a full person. But as soon as you zoom into like an iris or something like that, it becomes an entirely new world. Like it's incredible. Yeah, definitely 1950s space, like sci-fi, like shit like that. Amazing. Yeah, and just to finish off, so while he was working in this particular form, mm -hmm. it was right at the transition of um, Art Nouveau going into modernism. Ooh. So right on the cusp of those two massive art movements. So Art Nouveau, <laughs> mm -hmm. Art Nouveau for anyone that doesn't know, is um, the follow-up to Art Deco. So Art yeah. Deco was like 20s and 30s, very geometric, sharp that was lines, in That was in the like the... influence, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, very bold, striking. Nouveau then focused on, so I think William Morris. Mm. Um, this is all in the, the 20th century, isn't it? So, you know, so. Yeah, so. 1920s, like really, then 1930s. Like uh, Erte, who was definitely more. There's loads more artists, but someone like, <laughs> for example, look at Google Erte, mm -hmm. very deco, into people like William Morris and Charles Rennie. Way Macintosh, more floral, loads of more pattern. Yeah. Quite so much about symmetry. Mooka, people might know Mooka, there's yeah. those poster designers. You can look at the difference in poster designs, for example, mm. like for Hollywood poster designs. Yeah. You know, from an art, <laughs> just Google Art Deco um, advertising poster and then Google Art Nouveau poster, yeah. and you'll see the stark differences. But yeah, so um, Roosevelt was working at the time where then Art Nouveau was then transitioning again into modernism. It's right on the cusp of like a big shift in the art world. But I think his work is so kind of revered, but it's strange because you don't hear people like talk about him a lot, but mm. actually he's really quite significant. I was going to say, I, I've never heard of him until you said it today. He's brilliant. Go, Everybody should go and Google him. I mean, all of his pictures are in black and white because it was right at the origins of photography, but they're just so strikingly beautiful and structural. Mm. The seed heads and they're just, yeah, they're just, if you like they really have. I would say they really have a surrealist quality too. A lot like um, a lot of the surrealist films of like the, the you know the nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, that kind of time, where they did have um, repetitions of sequences and the disillusionment of what you understand. And I feel like that is a reflected a lot within his work. So maybe like he inspired a lot of like filmmakers to make things that had this like pattern work within it. I mean, I don't have any um, direct quotes from him, but. Um... I have like an opinion of his so he believes that in nature we can find the foundation of all forms so that's why he was so interested in the natural form because he thought that all forms in our world directly linked we can find them all in nature somewhere and I think he was oh, right because when you think yeah, about it absolutely you know, <laughs> you know we might not realize it as you say when we look from the outside of something it might look all fluffy and wiggly but you zoom into like a bird's feather for example when you get into that macro level of it, and I know this because I did it for a fashion <laughs> thing once, all these linear lines are like really structural and you wouldn't think of that on a bird. Do you know what I mean? So I think he's right. It's just he, they haven't unlocked them yet. He was clearly so far ahead of his time when he could perceive that within nature because when we look in a like a, a, a an incredible scientific microscope when we look down like a, like a dna level we have the same patterns again and again and you know things pattern off and we see those similar patterns within other structures within the planet when we talk about how the you know how earth was made 
in the Big Bang, they, they talk about how there was, you know, particular patterns of different carbon and whatnot. And I think that we see that um, amazing pattern again and again and again and again and again. And that's why, you know, animals and humans, we have this sort of mirrored version of ourselves. So everything splits into two. We have two eyes, two arms, and that can split again and again to make, you know, more limbs and things like that. But there's a wonderful idea of like symmetry within the human, like the, the, the earth world really. And I think that he obviously perceived that by looking through his macro lens and being like, oh my God, shit man, these plants, this is how the world's made. He probably perceived that without even knowing it, which is amazing. Yeah, and I mean, I can't find a lot of information. If anybody does have any, I can't find a lot of information on his like personal life or like, mm. there's not loads about him you know, that I can find written down. If anyone's got any good books, I'd love to hit me up because I'd love to know more about him because I like these kinds of artists. Um, and we have plenty but, of but time right now. Quite, uh, I don't think there was a lot of scandal around him, for example, is what I'm getting at, because I can't find any kind of like sensational stories or... Something to debate. Do artists who have more controversial lives have more of an effect on the general populace than those who don't? Because obviously, are they reported? Are they seen as much? They always say like, you know, a scandal is, good news is publicity, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like spreading the word. If you have a scandal that's attached to it, it spreads the word further. Um, but he was obviously a decent man who liked a macro camera and he liked plants and he could see the world in a different way. And that was good. But I mean, if you have someone next to him who's painting salacious images, that's going to be way more um, hit upon on in the news, you know what I mean? But yeah, so that's a different topic entirely. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really kind of quite important to botanical art as, a, as an art, really, and as yeah. a scientific form as well. So yeah, and I, his, yeah, the exhibition was lovely, I really enjoyed it. I'm sad um, I missed it actually, you told me about it, you were like, you should go, and I nearly went, but it was about four o'clock in the afternoon, I was like, bit too late. And it was like the last day. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I think me and mum had only just got back from a holiday, possibly, and we were yeah. like, should we go and do this? I think you, we were like, yeah. You were back from like Marrakesh, I think, weren't you? Uh, yeah. When holidays were a thing that we all did. <laughs> Which is okay. I do, I long for the, the time when we can travel. Especially, It'll be fine, it won't be long. Yeah. We all just need to stay safe at the moment. We will stay safe, we will stay home, and we will long for the freedom that we so deserve. <laughs> Just everybody be sensible at the moment, and any of you stupid people that are using the roads as racetracks, and you, I've been moaning about this. She, she's taking up I her keep, pencil, keep, keep. she is waving it at me. <laughs> if you're I'm sure it won't be any of our wonderful, glorious listeners, but if you're one of them idiots who's struggling 130 in a 40 zone, shame on you. Yeah. Our NHS is struggling enough without you causing accidents. Behave yourselves. <laughs> you think you're a good driver, but really you're just a bellend. Bravo, Jenny. Bravo. Bravo. Well done. Oh, I'm finishing the podcast. She, she, she's, got, she's on the soapbox. She's got it down. <laughs> she's no, she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> she needed that breath of air just to oh, oh. <laughs> all right um that was a wonderful 
like thing to tell me about. I I really like that. I want to look at more of his stuff. Yeah, do it. Mm. I, I swear to God, whoever, whoever's following our Instagram page, I've got a list of about thirty artists. So, do you want to share? <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of botanical art all of a sudden on the Instagram. I know. Page. Yeah, that's okay though. You know, that's why they follow us. I'm just saying. They're Museum tours and the yeah. natural galleries and things that we've been sharing, virtual exhibitions, because we know, you know, I mean, we had things booked in that we wanted to go and see that we haven't. But it's nice, even if you're using it as a learning tool, if you're one of our listeners has children who's interested in that kind of thing, or if you're a student who's studying, they make the most of these free virtual tours. They're incredible. I mean, it's not like being there, but it's mm. still really great to go and see these things. Yeah. And um, uh, for some people who have like the 3D goggles, they can go on these 3D virtual tours and they feel like they're there. Because I mean, seriously, in a time like this when we are at home and we can't move our body as much as we would like with going to different places around the world, we can transport our minds somewhere else. And a visual stimulation or even just a, a, an audio stimulation can take you somewhere else. So, I mean, we hope we've taken you somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I'm not fancy enough to have 3D goggles. Neither but... am I. I've got some cardboard ones, or I used to. <laughs> they worked pretty well. Like, you like you put your phone at the back of them, and then you have like a 3D program. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. It, it kind of terrified me though because I had a space program that I went on, and I'm not the biggest fan of like massive, massive, uh, huge like things. So, in, Sorry, is, is there? Oh, well, it's different with that, but... Well, not huge. Oh my god, I don't want to be torn in two. Okay, yeah. Anyway... <laughs> I'm talking about space, man. You're the one who took it there. Though, to be fair, we have been talking about, like, erotic plants. So, you know, it's okay. Um, when I when I was wearing the 3D, gog 3D goggles, I was literally in my bed. But it terrified me, because it, I was suddenly in space. And it felt like I was too far above the, pa the planet and... and it was really terrifying, you know? Um, but for some people, that's a thrill. So, do that. Transport yourself somewhere. Random tangent, but there we go. Anyway. Do you, do you have... have any... <gasps> oh, snapsies! <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have a recommendation. And it involves flowers. No, oh, mine too. Mules! Okay, so... I know, what? My recommendation is by the amazing filmmaker, the American filmmaker, Ari Aster, or Ari Aster, you know, however you want to pronounce it. Um, and it's Midsummer. It was made in uh, 2019, so last year. And it is all about um, uh, Swedish traditions and very much in the way that I'm wearing white with embroidered flowers on, the whole film is imbued with it. And you have these wonderful traditional garbs and wonderful artistry within the embroidery. Um, and then at the end, um, which is very iconic within the film, if you search for it, you'll see it. There's a flower dress that the, uh, what do you call it? The Summer Queen or whatever it's called. Chosen one. Yeah, yeah. Um, she wears, having won the the dance around the maypole. The May Queen, the May Queen. When the May Queen wins, she wears this fantastic dress and it's entirely covered in flowers. And I will forewarn, I like a lot of weird films. It is a strange one and it 
it will take you somewhere else that you probably haven't been before. But I recommend if you are an artist and you like seeing something outside of your comfort zone. It does make people feel uncomfortable, but I think that it doesn't make you uncomfortable in the way that like a gory film would. It is a horror, but it's all in the broad daylight um, and it's gorgeous. So I really- I think makes it worse, which is why I'm not going to watch it ever. <laughs> Because the best of it is, everyone was like, oh, Midsummer's great. And I was like looking at the screenshots of it, and I'm like, wow, it's... those costumes are. Because all the screenshots you see, folks, <laughs> these beautiful flowers, these women in like blue skies and green fields and all these flowers. When you read the synopsis of the film, you suddenly think, what the actual fuck? But, but the most amazing thing about the film is that um, each, I won't say cult, um, but basically, like each ritual that they do or perform is actually based in reality. So there are some really iconic moments when they're like, when you physically sort of fall back on your seat, you're like, whoa, and you realize people actually did this. Forewarn, you should only watch it if you're comfortable with watching a bizarre film where, you know, weird things happen. But it's amazing to sort of have a sneak peek into history of like how societies lived without necessarily it being a cult. It doesn't feel like a cult because it feels like they are living living a way that is economical and oddly united. Like there's scenes within it where one person, the main character actually, the woman, played by Florence Plough and she's crying like she's she's heartbroken and then all these women surround her and they're all breathing and crying at the same time and it's it's such a release, it's so wonderful to see. Like at the, at the beginning of it, you feel like it's kind of trite, like they're copying her. But then as like the sequence goes on and they're all crying together, you realize that they experience things at the same time. So they're kind of like this family, um, which does make see, it a little I'm... bit weird when it comes to like the sex part and things like that. But you know. I, this is where we differ. And... <laughs> And we're gonna say, I'm gonna say something completely contradictory to that. And this is okay. You can have it's a okay. With your best mate, because I do. I don't think it's a nice thing for them experience. I think it's mass hysteria, and I do think it's culty. And if you like this, <laughs> good for you. But I think it's mad. Yeah, yeah. You see, you see, but the, but that's the thing. Like having those different opinions is what makes such wonderful art. Like you have to have like the extremes of each and everything. You know what I mean? Like I say. I recommend Midsummer if you're more in the in in my vein of thinking, I suppose. <laughs> um, and it's on, I think it's on Amazon Prime for free. So, do have a little look if you're curious. And Jenny will like the flowers, but she won't watch the story. Like the costume is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. From a costume perspective, I I mean I trained in costume. From mm. a costume perspective, glorious. Yeah. But the film itself. Fucking nuts! I'm never gonna watch it. I'm sorry, folks. If you like it, <laughs> I'm just not never gonna watch it. it looks absolutely horrible. Yeah, I, like I, yeah, I do. I, I like a, I like a strange film. I like being transported in a place that I've never experienced before, and those situations are something that I would never experience in my I life. So, <laughs> which is good, and it's kind of yeah. I like seeing the fringes of society, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that's my recommendation. I think. Half of you will enjoy it. <laughs> what about your recommendation? My recommendation actually stems from the exhibition I went to and saw Carl Blossfeld. Um, running alongside Carl Blossfeld on the upper gallery, they had another artist who works currently. He does oh, a lot cool. of work for like the Royal Botanical Society and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> his name is Guy William Eames. 
he's a botanical artist. You can Google his name, find his website. I believe he's got an Instagram as well. Um, again, Guy William Eaves, he does these really meticulous pencil drawings of flowers and they're just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, See, they're it's, incredible. It's amazing um, when, uh, you know, you have really current artists going back to using pencil and, and, and sort of the more um, archaic versions of drawing something and reproducing something when obviously like obviously back in the day when photography was the most current thing they could use he was using that so to see something so current and now and seeing it like immaculate drawings it's kind of it's it's almost like people get to um, analyze again and again of the process that they want to use and he obviously decided that like pencil was the shit that he wanted to do and he did it yeah i mean and he's like, what the fuck are you saying? Just, yeah, I mean, she's like a lot of gin in and I'm just like, I just love the way it's good. She's like, like go and Google it. Okay, Guy William Eaves, fabulous stuff. What is he called? Guy I just wanna... William Eaves. These will all be up on the Instagram eventually, so mm -hmm. you'll get to see. We'll link them all. But, um, yeah, for once I actually themed my, uh, my recommendation to actually go with the episode. These are fantastic recommendations. I think people are gonna love them. I mean, who doesn't like a little bit of a uh, floral art these days? I do. And guys, another thing, guys are allowed to like flowers. Fuck yeah. I saw something the other day. Again, this is really random, but somebody said we need to make it okay again for guys to be full bunches of flowers. And I think that's right. So yeah. Yeah. You can be buying for yourselves. What gets me right? Oh god, here we go. We're meant to be rounding the episode. Uh -huh. I shouldn't have said anything. What I'm saying is that, you know, a lot of the time they they, they have these wonderful sayings of opposites attract and all this other thing. It's just like, we, we are allowed to have that balanced life of the feminine and the masculine together, right? That is how we have equilibrium within our lives and to be able to accept both of them within ourselves and within the things that we love, that's really important and eye-opening to other things that we could experience so on that wonderful note <laughs> thank you so much for coming and listening to our wonderful little podcast all about botanical art and we hope that you're staying safe and that you're staying mentally healthy physically healthy if you can but mentally healthy above all really because at the end of it it's going to be the summer and then you can go outside and you can get some wonderful vitamin D in any sense of the word. <laughs> Jenny rolled her eyes. Anyway, we love you. And um, if you would like to follow either me or Jenny, um, I am at Rosie La, which is R-O-S-I-E-L-A-H, obviously like Rosie La, um, on Instagram. And you can find me on Twitter although I don't often use that, and that's Rosie La Studio. Um, I also have a website, Rosie La, pretty shitty, but you can go on it if you want. <laughs> and Jenny, of course, is... My Instagram is at jennifer.ln.kemp. I was gonna say, if you go onto our Instagram page, our page is linked on there anyway, so... Yeah, I don't know why I went really into it. I might cut this out. <laughs> that's why we used to do it in the first couple when we first started. But... This is true, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we love you all and we'll be doing a live again soon. We're happy that you came and you stopped by and we love you. Yeah. Any, any further words, Juniper? Hey, thanks for listening. Apologies for... <gasps>
Love it. We'll, we'll, we'll catch up with you again soon, guys. <laughs> All right, then. Bye.